0: Hello from the children of planet Earth.
1: The basic thing is we have hands. We've had hands for millions of years. And what are hands for? You know, if you have hands, you grab things, you hold them, and you manipulate them. And so our whole conceptual being is in terms of that. We are, we, our, our concepts that we have our meaning that we have, we hold it, we grasp it, and we manipulate that. We do that with everything, and that's the way our science is, and that's the way everything is. And and the point is, is that's leading us to the edge of a cliff. Please make no mistake about this. Earth is the best planet. We do need to protect it. It's essential, it's our job. We're now big enough to hurt this planet. We must have a future for our grandchildren, their grandchildren, of dynamism, We cannot let them fall prey to stasis and rationing. And it's this generation's job to build that road to space so that the future generations can unleash their creativity. When that is possible, when the infrastructure is in place, just as it was for me in 1994 to start Amazon, you will see amazing things happen. I guarantee it. People are so creative once they're unleashed. This vision sounds very big, and it is. None of this is easy, all of it is hard, but I want to inspire you, and so think about this. Big things start small.
0: I don't like it so hot, but I I go on my walks at about eight in the evening, so it's cooled, but in the day, ooh, I found it very hot, as you know.
2: My mother was 29 years old when the first Voyager space probe was launched from Cape Canaveral in 1977. You ready? Yeah. Go. I love that sound. She is now 74 years of age Go. and ailing in many ways. <laughs> I'm talking to her on the phone, as I often do in the local park, throwing some glow-in-the-dark chucket balls for Mr. Max. Yeah. Okay. The conversation previous to this is mundanely earthbound her continued struggles to recover from an operation on her hand, my continued attempts to set my head straight after a painful and confusing breakup. The balls are being launched skywards from a piece of rudimentary plastic technology, one designed to extend or improve on the length, strength and torsion of my own flippers, which I call arms. Max doesn't have arms, Max is all legs. The balls are made of greyish-white luminescent rubber with a hole running through them that creates a whistling, whirring sound when launched at speed that both Max and I seem to get off on. Ma is giving me an update on what Mark, my brother, is up to and she suddenly starts talking about David Attenborough, Jeff Bezos, And an interstellar space probe that's going to be launched into the heavens in the hope that some E.T. out there might retrieve it, decipher our S.O.S. and essentially come and save our resource-wasting ecosystem, destroying human-animal
0: asses. I mean, obviously, you know David Attenborough and you know how much I love him. I'm just crazy about the man. I think he's going to be such a loss when he goes.
2: This is my mother. I phoned her the day after our first conversation to run through it all again with me.
0: Anyway, they're planning Ooh, a programme. Oh, hang on a, a second, sorry, that's my, that's
2: my rice. Um, I'm just making rice because I've got my improv class. OK,
0: OK. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he rang to tell me about this. Evidently it involves um, David Attenborough and Jeff Bezos, if you can believe that. Is, I it, Bezos? It's Is it Bezos? Be about, Is it Bezos? Oh, going to I don't know how they say it. Bezos, Bezos, tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, and it's probably Bezos. Um, and and they, they're going to, it's to do with the Voyager and space. And I think it's going to be in about, did, did he say 2029? You know, my memory is not that good. We're the generation
1: that sent something out into space that's not only going to outlive us, it's going to outlive our star. Four billion years from now, when our sun turns into a red giant, Voyager is still going to be trucking out there through the stars, and the songs of our time are going to be out there. Chuck Berry is still out there, will still be out there.
2: Well, the songs of their time, for as you may recall, alongside Oodles of Bach and a very trippy Gamelan number, the Golden Record also carried the genius of Little Richard and Chuck Berry hopefully, into the ears of our galactic neighbours. But, alas, no Beatles, no Bowie, no James Taylor, no Carole King, even though this was 1977, the year of my birth, a year in which my parents played nothing but the Beatles, Bowie and Fleetwood Mac. Perhaps this dearth of iconic pop might be remedied on a future mission, Jeff Bezos, David Attebrah, nudge-nudge, wink-wink. August 20th, 1977, when NASA put up a recording of the sounds of Earth on Voyager 1. A two-hour-long tape included uh, natural sounds of, uh, of animals, a French poem by Baudelaire, a
1: passage from the
2: Koran in Arabic, messages from President Carter, United Nations Secretary Kurt Waldheim, music,
1: everything from classical to Chuck Berry.
0: Uh, and you're saying that the, uh, another civilization has is, civilization is, uh, found the tape?
1: Yes, they've sent us a message that actually proves it. It
3: may be just four simple words, but it is the first positive proof that other intelligent beings inhabit the universe.
0: Uh, what are the four words, Kakuwa?
3: The four words that came to us from outer space. The four words that will appear on the cover of Time Magazine next week are, send more Chuck Berry. Well, I mean, if it's
2: Voyager, it's just that when you said Voyager, right, this is the thing. This is why I suddenly became very interested when you were talking about it. Because I am, I'm not a big like, you know, I mean, yes, I've watched Star Wars. I enjoyed Star Trek, but I'm not like a huge space nerd. But there's something about... That Voyager space probe that really I've always been fascinated by, and that was launched in 1977 when you were 29. um yeah, And yeah. I suspect if they're going to do anything, they're going to they're doing it possibly for the 50th anniversary of Voyager. Ah,
0: right. That's what it is. Of course. Did he say that? That makes sense. Did he say yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think that's what it was. Yes, that makes sense.
2: One of the reasons why this conversation with my mother got my ears a quivering is that I've been looking around for something to build my next podcast project around. I like making these things. Um, The last one being on a topic that no one I care for really cares for, uh, which is the tarot. And it was also somewhat weakened by two of my greatest pleasures in life, uh, which are navel gazing and mansplaining. It's become clear to me of late that I should really buckle down and concentrate my making energies on less navel-gazing, more outward-looking, outwardly focused even if still potentially mansplainable concerns. Voyager with its save the human race angle uh, seemed like a perfect fit. what could also be more romantic with a capital R than that golden record, that weird mixtape of human noises attempting to communicate something about us, our essence, our souls, to whichever or whatever extraterrestrial entity might happen upon it.
0: Hello from the children of planet Earth.
1: Oh, hello from the children of planet Earth. That's what I would say to aliens. They love that. And so it's like, great, let's record you. We
2: do like, don't we, to toot, tweet and even podcast our own golden horns, us humans. And uh, a lot about Voyager was also related to that somewhat narcissistic pursuit. In other words,
0: I love
1: Hi, I'm Maurice. I'm an executive by day and a wild man by night. I'm looking for the goddess. Are you the goddess?
2: Hi, my name's Mike, and if you're
0: sitting there watching this tape, smoking your cigarette, well, hit the fast-forward button, because I don't smoke, and I don't like people who do smoke.
1: And I do consider myself a refined valley dude.
2: Who is the goddess? The goddess is the woman, is a woman, is any woman, is all women, particularly attracted to black women and women of different
1: races. So if you like me, give me a (laughs) call. I decided that I'm lonely, but I'd love to go roller skating.
2: In 1977, however, and perhaps still today, we all managed to convince ourselves that we were predominantly doing this for the science. As a navel-gazing, podcast-making fool in love with the moon, I don't really believe that anything, even in our new religion of science, is ever just about the science, which is to say, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behaviour of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment
0: fly me to the moon let me play among the stars let me see what is
1: like. meanwhile voyager 1 is still kind of cruising out there getting farther and farther out and a number of folks on the team including carl sagan had this idea that before we have to shut the cameras down let's turn around look back towards the sun and let's take a picture of our solar system unlike any that had ever been taken before
0: Absolutely zero science
1: in it, absolutely none. This
2: is how what is now known as the pale blue dot the picture came into being, that single pixel of blue light in the midst of endless and empty space. I've circled it in red pencil on the cover image of this podcast if, if you have that to hand. It's a very different Earth selfie to the ones taken previously, where the majesty of our Goldilocks planet would normally fill the whole frame. This is perhaps the moment culturally when some sense of just how alone we really are out there in the universe may have entered the collective unconscious. Everything that is melancholically blue about our human souls might also be triggered by meditating on that pale blue dot. Here's Carl Sagan saying all of this much more eloquently and perhaps hopefully than I can in 1977, the year of the space probe.
1: And the next slide the earth in a sunbeam. In this color picture you can see that it is in fact less than a pixel. And this is where we live, on a blue dot. On that blue dot. That's where everyone you know and everyone you ever heard of and every human being who ever lived, lived out their lives. I think this perspective underscores our Responsibility to preserve and cherish that blue dot, the only home we have.
2: This is also where David Attenborough uh, comes comes on the scene, I guess. For is not this life, the life we call Attenborough, is not his whole reason for being in some way driven by this very careful, caring focus that he's taken again and again and again to our planet and especially to the non-human animals living on it with us. This life, their life, which we the apex predator, usually have little or even no space for in our wordy, self-focused human-animal minds. It makes sense to me that Bezos and his Blue Origin Space Company, named for the blue planet on which we reside, should team up with Attenborough and a media corporation to create some kind of Earth-saving, or rather humanity-saving intervention for 2027, the 50th anniversary of that first Voyager mission. It also makes sense to me that the 2027 Voyager would maybe want to carry on board a very different message to the other inhabitants of the galaxy than our parents' space probes once did. For when we do look up from our phones and our spreadsheets and our planograms, once in a blue moon, let's face it, uh, from this very particular human-animal focus, I think we can all see that there is really nothing more pressing for human ears and minds to think about at the moment than the end of our species, which is going to occur at some point, relatively soon from what I can tell. What used to be apocalyptic eschatology, aka, oh shit, we're all fucked, that language of the doom-mongering prophets and mystics, is is now just a a permanent hyperlink labelled climate crisis on the front page of The Guardian what used to be those end-of-time prophets walking up and down Oxford Street with their attention-grabbing sandwich boards, um, trying to get the message across to glassy-eyed tourists and shopaholics, are all scientists now. And just like the dude sandwiched between two pieces of end-is-nigh painted plywood, a lot of these scientists are uh, being pretty much ignored and, and, and gaslit too, even though science is very much our new religion. But like many religious folk, Aren't we human animals really, really good at talking that talk, but not so good at walking that walk? COVID has only sharpened this apocalyptic awareness, from the Greek meaning revelation. COVID was indeed a revelation for our species, as well as a wake-up call. We heard it, we wrote and tweeted and Instagrammed about it, but We're now pretty much back to employing our favorite human defense mechanisms with regard to anything that troubles us. Denial, rejection, displacement, repression, and my personal favorite, sublimation. Making podcasts is a form of sublimation. And the general message, of course, is that of Don't worry, be happy, everything's going to be alright. The gods of science have saved us. Put another crustacean on the barbie. Pass me my spliff and my glass of wine and... And let's have a good time. What's that? An even more transmissible and deadly virus perhaps emerging at this very moment or very soon from the sick entrails of our overstressed ecosystem which we've been plundering for bigger, better, faster human needs since the Industrial Revolution and in the last fifty years at an ever-proliferating pace? Ah, man! Spare us the gloom, you prophets of doom! Come on, party pooper! Yeah, I feel that way too. But all of this is in fact happening right now for us in this most splendidly foolish and human of ways. The splendor because it is global, and the foolishness being in our failure to reverse our own demise, even though it is occurring by our very own hands. And all just because, let's face it, we can't be asked to do things differently especially if it means surrendering or giving something up that we've come to like or need. We're all addicted to consumerism now, me too. I'm a self-hating Prime member, how about you? Even Greta Thunberg, at her eco-best, is a modern human, using more kilowatts of energy per day than a whole village or maybe even a whole city in ancient times would have consumed. Here is Jeff Bezos acknowledging our predicament in a speech made in 2019 at an event to unveil the Blue Moon Lunar Lander, a spacecraft built by his Blue Origin company, which as you may know was founded and is fully funded by Bezos from his own ample pockets to make access to space cheaper and more reliable. This is intended to be the first step in building an even larger infrastructure that could allow us at some point to get heavy industry, as well as heavy humanity, Uh, four billion people in 1977, double that number now, off the planet and onto space stations or maybe even Mars.
1: You go to heaven when you're born. Earth is heaven. For all of human history, The Earth has felt big to us. That's not true anymore. The Earth is no longer big. Humanity is big. It seems big to us, but it's finite. And there's something that we have to do. We have to realize that there are immediate problems, things that we have to work on. And we are working on those things. They're urgent. I'm talking about poverty. Hunger, homelessness, pollution, overfishing in the oceans. This is a very long list of urgent, immediate problems. And we need to work on those things urgently in the here and now. But there are also long-range problems. And we need to work on those too. And they take a long time to solve. You can't wait until the long-range problems are urgent to work on them. A very fundamental long-range problem is that we will run out of energy on Earth. This is just arithmetic. It's going to happen. As animals, humans use 97 watts of power. That's our metabolic rate as animals. But as members of the developed world, we use 10,000 watts of power and we get a lot of benefit from it. But it is unsustainable.
2: After the conversation with my mother, I looked on Twitter to see if I could find some backstage gossip about the Voyager 3 SOS project, as well as the television series being planned alongside it. But finding no mention of either, I decided to go to the source of the news, my brother, at least to validate the rumors. As you will hear in our discussion, which I recorded from our Zoom call, Mark asks me to fandangle his uh, vocalizations. So if the voice you're about to hear sounds like one of those silhouettes in a documentary about the mafia, terrified of revealing their identity, now you know why. Perhaps you can also hear how I go into this sort of jokey, larky, younger brother persona with my brother, mainly to make myself more amenable and non-threatening to him. As a character, he can be a tad, well, well, you'll hear.
3: Hey, hey, dude. How you doing?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not bad. I mean, Monday. So, uh, you know, Mm. you know,
3: me and Mondays—they're like. So, Uh I have a meeting Uh, in ten minutes, but I can give you a quick five. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, 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 Doable.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's up? So I go through everything Mar told me, and. What I get in return is, is not the most welcoming of responses, shall we say. Uh, David Attenborough and NASA and, and like this new Voyager um, space probe, Voyager 3 or something. Um,
3: mm-hmm. What the... hello? <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Um, I, I don't feel like I can slash should. Um, oh, oh, hang on. I, who's the Who's I, I the mean, should? Have you
2: signed Have you signed like an NDA or something like that? What's 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 the deal? I mean, is it that yeah, top I secret?
3: Have. Of course I have. It's Jeff Bezos. It's like oh, yeah. Of course they, this is a huge. I'm not going to tell anyone. And, <laughs> mm, aren't you? I mean, you know, you're mm. right. I'm, I'm thinking about making
2: this podcast, right? And this is well, first of all, it is a scoop.
3: Now, if you're going to start a podcast, it's not wanna... a scoop because if it is a scoop like we have the same last name and I will get fired. And that's five years of income gone. So I really need you to just, just put this under your butt.
2: Which of course I'm not going to do. If you've been listening so far, you may have realized that. However, reassurance is proffered, which is how the younger brother keeps the slightly stern older brother sweet. And slowly but surely, a glimmer of hope shines through that somewhat narrow crack in his archetypally closed door and do you want to know what's behind that closed door my friends well all you need to do is google enneagram type six things get a little bit more simple when you can tune into those archetypal energies shall we say
3: okay so don't worry if it's it's completely anonymous and you find a way of of making like me untraceable, i.e um it. I want you. I, I need you to fuck with my voice, and you to do, like so I don't sound anything like me. No one can trace this back.
1: Okay. Um, There's quite
3: a bit of then editing. Then maybe <laughs> I'm not sure my editing skills are up to that. But all right, I'll, I'll download an app. I'll give it a go. Well, I can tell you how. It's not that hard. Um, I can maybe do some like. Yeah, like off the record stuff. Okay, well let's can imagine do we we're doing some interviews, the but like let's imagine uh, we we're doing just a bit of off the record stuff
2: now. So what 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 is the deal? I mean, I mean presumably there's going to be a new Voyager three. They're going to launch a Voyager three.
3: Yes. Okay. So what I can tell from the, and you also have to remember that this thing is so, this is such a big production that I have, I'm given like segments. So I'm given a a five minute segment to put together. And then I send that to the the next editor, who who sits above me, who puts together the entire show. So Amazing. I can, uh, so what's I the last only... segment you've been working on? What's to give you an idea of the? Like, I don't know. What was it? Sort of. I okay. So it's this. It is this kind of. It's a little schmaltzy, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, it's David Attenborough and Bezos. They're having this conversation about like the state of our earth, and they're all like. It's quite weird, because I expect this from Bezos. I expect him to be kind of upright and corporate and kind of, like, I don't don't believe the thing he's saying. But Attenborough... Oh, you don't believe, you know, know, because I've been watching Bezos, right? I've been watching quite a few
2: Bezos videos. And Mm. my ideas about Bezos are really, really changing, particularly when he talks about, when he talks about, you know, his values, his ideals. Um, he, he, I, I don't know, I'm sort of becoming a bit of a Bezos um, uh, fan? fan, yeah. I guess. Okay. I actually feel quite ashamed at this point in the conversation admitting this. As a good social justice warrior psychotherapist snowflake, the very essence of my identity is built around the idea of Bezos being just another heartless tycoon bastard driven entirely and obsessively by blind self-interest, and that capitalist, but also very primate imperative of attaining as much power, prestige, and wealth as possible in the Darwinian game of sexual selection. i are doing more of the, you know, editing stuff on this program because, because that isn't that the problem. That pe- thats what people think about Jeff Bezos. They think that just because he's gone and made like 137 billion dollars for himself, um,
3: that yeah, somehow that Amazon. Not the friendliest company in the world. No, like, no They do a good job. They, they supply the other no, world supermarket. No, I know, but...
2: totally. But this is this weird thing I'm going through at the moment because I'm thinking, but if he actually manages to pull it off, if he actually manages to somehow um, find a way to get um, the human species into space, um, people aren't going to really, people in maybe 50 years' time aren't going to be saying, oh, well, you know, Jeff Bezos said, bastard he made made all that money and drove all these people um a, a little bit insane with some of his demands uh, they're going to be like <laughs> he was the savior of mankind there's a lot of kind of crap on or there's a lot of sort of propaganda really? i guess on youtube but um is that i have no idea hmm. well of the bezos variety i mean you know but uh, yeah of the, course yeah sure yeah.
3: We have a new world's richest uh, human being. His name is Jeff Bezos. He presides over this giant empire. Amazon's
1: just basically into everything, thanks in large part to its Amazon Prime service. Groceries, you name it, they're in it. According to Time Magazine, from January 1st through May 1st of this year, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, saw his wealth increase by $275 million every single day for a total increase in wealth of $33 billion in a four-month period.
2: Jeff Bezos, the world's richest man, is worth more than $130 billion. Bezos makes more in 10 seconds than the median Amazon employee makes in a year. $28,466. Bezos is one of the top 25 largest landowners in the country. He's on track to become the world's first trillionaire in the next 25 years. Last year, Amazon reported nearly $5.6 billion in U.S. profits and did not pay a nickel of federal income taxes on
3: it. Um, dude, Uh, Yeah, I've got six minutes. I have to go. Okay, all right. Okay. It was good talking to you, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. So
2: what do you think? I mean, do you think we could have another... Once I get my sort of facts straight, um, not Mm -hmm. from you necessarily, but once I get some of my facts straight, could we have another little chat? I'd love to talk about segments. Maybe you could just come in and tell me occasionally a segment you're working on You know, it's so small. It's just one tiny piece of the puzzle. Yes. Yeah, I can.
3: But let's... Let's... Uh um,
2: Juicy segment.
3: uh, Dude, it's... You have to remember. It's like five years of full-time work. Being paid at my... like, Like, it's huge. Okay. You don't want to really risk it. I'm... I'm happy to give you... Uh, yeah, let's. I can talk if you, if you let's talk about this anonymous thing because I can show you how to make me anonymous. Okay. Um And as long as you're really fucking careful with the recorded footage, um, because like, like I just don't, I just don't know where this thing ends. You know, it's like okay, so so if we assume that like Bezos has the, the same abilities as the KGB, then he could well hire people <laughs> to break into your. Don't lie. It's true. Like, if he could well hire people, he could be listening to this phone call right now. He could well oh, hire people on. to break into your home, steal your hard drives. Suddenly, they've got my voice. They, they found this little podcast that actually is getting yeah. slightly too well, close to the truth. And I then, don't think he would do and that. And suddenly, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. Uh, having read now,
2: you know, the childhood stuff in his biographies, and uh, okay, not the Amazon thing stuff, but a, a lot of the other stuff, the space stuff, and the, you know, from these two main biographies about him. I actually believe I genuinely believe now maybe I'm just deluded um, that I you know maybe I've become a basal site but I genuinely believe he's actually an incredibly principled man um, I, I know I, I can't even believe I'm saying this myself but I actually really do and I don't think he would I think he, he works from a very principled place also I have discovered online that he is an Enneagram 3 now bro I don't know if you're into enneagrams but the enneagram no, I don't know what are you talking about no do you know no. anything about the enneagram three just Seriously, though, Google Enneagram 3 and tell me if Enneagram 3 would be somebody who would be, um, you know, um, uh, listening in on your phone calls.
3: Okay. All right. I, you <laughs> I um, don't think you're going to. But anyway, yeah, I mean, he's an Enneagram 3. I'm going to have to spell Enneagram first. Even, yeah. It's a tricky <laughs> one. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you'll have Autofill help you with that. So, you know. Okay.
2: Anyway, appreciate your time, yeah? And uh, how the kids? Quickly, just give me a give me a minute update. I'm a terrible uncle. I should have started with that conversation with that.
3: What? Lovely but exhausting. That's the same as ever. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough.
2: Anyway, thanks, yeah? I'll speak All to right. you soon. I've got to go. Chat Love you out. lots. Yeah. Bye. Bye, bye. So after the chat with Bro, I take Max out and we launch a couple of chuck-it-glow-in-the-dark-whistling balls, because that's how we roll. And then... On our way home, we are both stopped in our tracks by this incredibly fecund and juicy full moon that's just hanging there in the ultramarine sky above my local supermarket, as if held aloft by invisible wires. You know, it's that moment where you go, is this real? Are we in the Truman Show? How can anything, especially just a big lump of igneous rock from the Latin for fire, evoke such tenderness and awe in the breast of the human animal? What's that about? As usual, I take out my mobile phone and attempt to capture something of Her Majesty in a photograph so as to share it with the family WhatsApp group. And as usual, I look down at the captured moon image with wilting irritation. It's as if These eyes, these human eyes that are reading this from a a screen, have been made not for this, but popped into the sockets of our skulls, just so as to witness the sublime beauty of the moon, a beauty that resides in our human consciousness, the way that those bivalve mollusks we call oysters, just before shoving them down our throats, reside in their protective shells. Perhaps though, This is just another example of my or our own sort of narcissistic anthropomorphism kicking in again. But it does feel special, unique in some way. As we feel special, unique in some way, certainly more special and unique than the other 87 million species on this planet. And once our special uniqueness is no more, once we're gone, who is going to write poems to the moon? For surely, As long as there is a moon in the sky, (laughs) there has to be, there has to be, right? There has to be a poet on a planet near that moon writing her poems of love and affection. Like this one by Lady Izumi Shikibu, written almost 1000 years ago. Although the wind blows terribly here, the moonlight also leaks between the roof planks of this ruined house. I would like to believe for us, at a global scale, at an ecological scale that human animals will still be around in a thousand years time, even though the chances of that seem somewhat slim at the moment. At some level, which I don't fully understand from my indubitably cynical perspective, there is a self or maybe a soul, would be a better word for this, who, who, who believes in miracles. Who knows, right? Maybe when that Voyager 3 space probe is launched in 2027 with its SOS message detailing our plight. Maybe some intelligent scientific beings out there, beings somewhat like us, will retrieve the message and in the nick of time, Hollywood movie style, come to our rescue. And in this fantasy, they will arrive, no doubt, just as we're about to start bringing in rationing and antenatal policies, or maybe even feeding off each other for lack of food.
3: Oh, finally, they've arrived!
2: We'll all scream with joy as vast swathes of human creatures or killed off by another extreme weather event and maybe some feisty virus with a funky new name. Is that not the miracle we're all hoping for? I'm hoping, also praying. But if that's not gonna happen, and sorry to be the one to have to break the news to you, it probably ain't gonna happen. Maybe we also need to start thinking about rescuing ourselves and supporting some self-denying plans that at least offer us the best options for getting out of this very human pickle that we find ourselves in. Which is why, I guess, I'm kind of excited to think that a, a strategist, a doer like Bezos is on the case. But I also know as a psychologist that the future of mankind may ultimately rest on what kind of person or type Bezos is at his core. I'm an Enneagram type 4 which is a heart type at my core. You may sense this in the bleeding heart bluster and intensity of my vocalizing. I believe in miracles but I also believe that a lot of what people perform for us and to us in conversation is more or less blah 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 unless we fully understand the archetypal essence of ourselves and of those who hold some form of power in the human realm, but also in our lives. The Enneagram, my current obsession, contains nine different human archetypes and these are divided into three centres of intelligence head, heart and gut. On the internet there is much discussion around whether Bezos is a type 3, ruled, like me, by his heart with its focus on values and identity, a type that also has more access to shame which is probably not a bad thing for the purposes of saving the human race. Or is he rather, as my brother would believe, a type 8, which like others in that triad, the 7 and the 9, talk the talk but when it comes to the walk, hmm. Maybe not. The primary fear of a Type 8 and in some sense for all three types in that triad, the gut triad, is around being harmed or controlled. Around this fear a human personality comes into being, one that is often directed defensively at controlling others as well as their environment. The last president of the United States, Mr. D. Trump was a particularly nasty and pathological version of this type. So maybe it might be fair to say that I believe in two things. As befitting my personality, my type, my archetype, I believe in miracles and the other thing I believe in is love. I believe that living a life aligned with one's heart rather than with one's head or stomach is more likely to lead us into doing good in this world for others and our planet. If Bezos is a type 3, we've probably got a bit of a chance to save. The human species. If he's an eight, however, we're fucked. But maybe not. If you're someone like me who lives his life predominantly according to his foolish romantic heart, you too may be holding on for a miracle. And that's kind of handy if you think about it, because the way things are panning out right now... We gonna need a few of those.
0: Once in a lifetime's what they say. But I found another way. It's just a matter of letting it grow. One kiss beneath a mistletoe. so I don't you look at the writing on the wall. Sure
1: we don't need no miracle. Oh, nah, 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 nah. I don't believe in me. You know there's a there's that what is that? that british phrase you know the 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 piece of gossip that you'll be dining out on for a month right it's it's the it's like the 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 brush with fame so yeah i mean i use that line all the time if i want to shock people that's just that's just a thing that i do but
2: do but do you, di- do you dine on out uh, it because you said it in just a kind of like well yeah this you know this may 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 feel special for the rest of you but for me this was just this was just a double date. It's,
1: yeah, it, it is. It's it's mostly about the it's mostly about the shock value. You know when you're meeting new people and you aren't really sure what to say, you say things like, "Yeah, I was on a when I was in I went to high school with Jeff Bezos.
2: This is my friend Kate." When Kate was 17 years old, Kate went on a double date with her beau Joshua Weinstein and his best mate, Jeffrey Preston Bezos. More about that in episode two of This Thing.
0: To figure out the meaning of life But then you said, do you love me with a perfect smile?